You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 245 of the Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's going good, man. Good to be back once again. I think it's been a, a few weeks since both you and I have been, been on the show together, so it's good to have the you know most of the team here today. Absolutely. Uh, and I do apologize to those that thought I was going to be on the show last week, but uh, GDC, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on that I will get into a little bit later, but uh, glad to be back. Um, we're also joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, Rich. Uh, a lot of stuff to touch on. There's some good stuff, some bad stuff, a whole bunch of interesting stuff to touch on today. Absolutely. And we're also joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? Hey, Richard's going good. Happy to be back as always. Yes, absolutely. So uh, from what I understand, uh, Dana Abercrombie is at the Tribeca Film Festival today in New York City. So we hope that she's having a fun time. Uh, pretty, pretty sure she will tell us about her experience next week. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to her because she hosted the WrestleCast this past week in my absence. So excellent job, Dana. And uh, we look forward to having you back next week. Um, so before we get into a couple of news topics, we definitely have to talk about what we have been playing. So Mr. Max Muller, uh, how about you let us know what you've been playing this week? Well, first off, I've been playing Sea of Thieves, which I will get into a lot later in the show, but long story short, I'm not a fan. There's not a lot to it. All of my worries about the game since I've been playing Alpha in 2016 have basically come true. So... Yeah, we'll get into that more later. Um, I've also been playing this interesting little game called Minit, M-I-N-I-T, which I actually was able to try out back at E3, and they finally sent out review copies and everything. And it's a cool little Zelda-like game that, except there's a twist on it where you can only survive for 60 seconds, and then you have to restart your life at, um, at like an inn or wherever you end up staying. There are like certain hubs that you can respawn at, so you have to try and get as much done as you can as you can in those 60 seconds and then restart and then go from there and like figure out what to do and the best paths to go to like solve each part of the puzzle to finish the game it's actually a really really interesting little game that i'm enjoying a lot i beat the normal game already it's only about two hours and then there's a new game plus that makes it 40 seconds long you only have one heart so you die in one hit and all of the puzzles are switched up so that's been interesting. It's actually been a lot harder. And then there's like a third secret mode that I want to get into. Um, I've also been playing this game called Extinction, which is kind of, it's very similar to Attack on Titan. Um, And I've only had a couple of hours in it so far. And I like the idea of it, but the combat is fairly limited so far. It doesn't feel like there's a lot to the combat. I've already... I feel like I've already almost done all the types of fighting in the game in just a couple of hours, and the campaign has, like, seven or eight missions with, like, four different sections to each mission, and I'm only on, like, mission two and a half, and I've already seen all the upgrades unless there's a whole lot more that they haven't shown us, so that's a bit worrying, 
but the foundation is there and it's really cool, but it kind of seems like there's going to be a lot of DLC. This seems like this is going to be kind of a DLC heavy game. So we'll have to see when that game comes out, I believe on April 10th. So we have a while before that comes out and there might be some updates and patches to that, but it's definitely a game to keep an eye on. Was you, um, uh, was you with me when I saw that at E3 last year? I was not able to see it at E3. Oh, okay. No. I know that some of you guys did. I don't remember who, but no, I was not. I only able saw to. it from a distance. I never got to actually play it, but I heard some of the impressions from people that actually got hands on time with it, and it seemed generally positive overall. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool so far. Don't get me wrong, but um, I just worry there's not a lot of depth to it. Like the first impressions are definitely there, but like, for example, attacking the. God, I forgot their name, but basically the Titans. Um, you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. You have to build up your power by saving citizens or attacking like minions. You'll build up your power, then you have to use you just literally hold the left trigger, aim it, and then let go. You'll take off a piece of their armor, and then you can take off their leg or their arm, and then you climb on top and you take their head off. And that's it every single time. So it's fun, it's cool, but when you're doing it like six times a mission and then you have to do that every single mission, it's already getting a little bit old. So I hope that they introduce something to kind of vary it up because there's just not much to it aside from that. Like, it's still fun. It feels really good and everything like that, but it just feels like there's not a lot of depth to it just yet. But we'll see. We'll yeah, see, that's but... uh, sad to hear because when I saw it, it seemed, like, very promising. So I hope that, you know, they haven't just created another shallow experience where there's not really much to it, but the, the concept alone is good. Yes, that's exactly what it is. And there's still, like, I'm very, very early on into the game. So, like, there's still a lot of time for things to pick up. But, like, for example, you, I've seen all the upgrades already. Like, it shows me all of them. And none of them really enhance any, or introduce any new combat moves or anything. They just, like, increase your speed or increase, like, your jump height and stuff like that or your health. So that's what worries me a little bit. I don't know where they're going to introduce anything new if they do. But... You never know. We'll see. There's a long way to go with it. But it's it's definitely a game to keep an eye on regardless. And then I'd say that's about it this week. Well, i just like to add that that was very rough to hear that because uh, I know Gary was looking forward to Extinction. Uh, I was only interested after I saw the story trailer that they released. So uh, this is rather disappointing to hear this news, Max. <laughs> I mean... You never know. Like, it's still a fun time. I just worry about the future. I worry that it'll get really droll later on, but we'll see. Hopefully oh, yeah. that won't be the case. Oh, yeah. No, I totally understand that. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, sounds good. Definitely been playing a lot. <laughs> All right. Uh, Gary, what have you been playing this week? Uh, yeah, so unfortunately, my uh, my life doesn't permit me to play games for an extensive amount of time lately. Um, but you know, of course, I've been fitting in Overwatch here and there when possible. Um, I've actually decided to stop playing competitive in Overwatch now because it's gotten very ridiculous for me. Like I, uh, I was like I was in high gold in you know in the ranks and everything, and I was almost platinum, but then I slipped all the way down to low silver, you know, in competitive and stuff. And it's so hard to grind your way out of that because. The players are so toxic and you know even when you're you manage to carry a little bit and you're actually winning you know sometimes your uh, your teammates just drop out and if one person leaves the game randomly 
that team is severely disadvantaged. You know, like you, it's almost impossible to win at that point if somebody drops out. So stuff like that just continues to happen. Um, since I've made that decision to stop playing competitive, there has been a, a PTR update. And Jeff Kaplan has actually, you know, made a video explaining a new feature that they're testing, which is called Avoid a Player. Um, and basically that will allow you to um, avoid two players per week. And uh, so so you won't be matched up with them in a the team. So if somebody is being toxic or they leave the match or something, you can set, set it to avoid them and then you won't end up on their team again. But it means that person will have uh, longer match times, like, well, longer search, longer matchmaking for, um, you know, when they're searching for a match and everything. But I don't think it's enough to fix the problem. Um, perhaps it, it may make people, you know, not be toxic and, and stick to the rules a little bit because they don't want to be avoided because, you know, it might be slightly annoying, I guess. But I think just, you know, there is... It's, it's a bigger problem um, that needs to be addressed in competitive mode. And um, there's so many things that can make a match of Overwatch go wrong in competitive. So, yeah, I'm just going to avoid comp from for now and just focus on playing quick play in arcade because then at least I can have some fun. I can, you know, experiment more with different characters and stuff like that instead of just playing Mercy and um, sometimes Reaper and you know um, sometimes Winston and stuff like that so yeah um, I've decided to to make that decision of course I will still be playing the game I just I'm, I just won't be playing competitive as much but yeah um, I've also because I upgraded my graphics card I went from 770 up to a 1060 um, I've decided like I've been just kind of installing different games you know old ones and new ones just to see how they look and stuff and compare you know to how they previously looked and one of the games i decided to install was grand theft auto 5 um and it's been a while since you know i uh played that game so seeing it again was kind of incredible like because you know obviously i played it on ps4 well ps3 and ps4 um so seeing it in pc with you know high graphic settings was amazing like it kind of you know blew me away a little bit like seeing how visually impressive the game was and you know i decided to mess around with it have you know do a few missions and stuff like that and i i even went back into gta online and you know i made a new character and everything like that and i've noticed just how much that you know the online mode has become pay to win like or well not exactly pay to win but more like pay to play because to get the full enjoyment out of that game you either need to spend like hours of your life inside of it to get to the point where you can do heists and own a house and all that sort of thing or you can just pay and then you instantly have everything like er everything you could want like you'll have it instantly so it's like they kind of push you in the direction of paying and I don't remember it being like that originally when GTA Online first came out. It kind of seemed like you can, um, you could grind your way up, but it, it wouldn't take you, you know, like days of your life to kind of get to a point of significance. But now it just seems like it's like they've changed it completely to where like you kind of have to pay if you want to get to the point that you want to get to, uh, you know, quicker. 
otherwise like you have to grind out doing all these other small missions and stuff like that and that can be frustrating because there's a lot of connectivity issues and then um obviously there's a lobbying system where you have to wait before these you know missions start you have to wait for people to get into it and that is frustrating because people tend to dip out a lot before you know before it can even start and some of these missions require a certain number of players before it to even begin so if you have players dropping in and out and stuff before it even starts you're going to be waiting a long time for some of these missions to even begin so it's going to cost you a lot of time if you don't pay in that you know in GTA online and um i, I don't remember it ever being like that before and i it's going to be interesting to see how they make the Red Dead Redemption multiplayer and if it's going to be similar to that to that model. But um yeah, that's that's all I've been playing this week. Uh I just want to make a quick comment. Um very glad to hear you describe this because I haven't had a chance to go back to GTA Online and I was wondering why Rockstar is reselling the game as an enterprise pack that gets you to heist faster, gets you to the other stuff faster. So now, now that makes sense when you say that. Um, that's that's very interesting indeed. But people are expending the money, so yeah, yeah, we'll have to see how they handle Red Dead. Yeah, I mean, like, because the heists are without a doubt the best thing to do online. Like, I played one setup mission for a heist just because I got a random invite to it. You know, I can't initiate it myself, but I can accept an invite if somebody sends it. So I, I did play one of those, and that was like the most fun, fun thing you can do in GTA Online. Period. So it's you know, it, it's no wonder that they're you know making it you know such a um, such a barrier to actually get to that point because you know, um, and the enterprise pack makes sense because I even thought about buying it myself. I was like, okay, so I just have to spend this much and then i can you know get to the heist right away and stuff but then i was like nah i'm probably not even gonna play it that long anyway so i decided not to but yes it's just interesting to see you know how they've done that absolutely absolutely yeah we'll see what happens with red dead (laughs) online um okay uh mr lugo how about you let us know what you've been playing so yeah, I've been playing a couple different things and been working on a couple different things here and there throughout the week and even beforehand uh, the week prior to that. Uh, one of the new uh, things that we have up on the website now is that we have a, a video commentary on the new Noctis uh, DLC for Tekken 7. If you guys haven't checked that out. Now, I know a couple people have pointed out there's been some issues with the sound quality here and there. The main reason being is because I was using the Turtle Beach streaming mic in order to do the commentary with it, you know, to do a little demo with that alongside the gameplay. And apparently that doesn't seem to work well with the Elgato software that we use. And uh, it just keeps going in and out and stuff. It never really did that with any of the other mics that we've used before in the past. So that was like a small little nitpick thing that happened. But other than that, we were able to showcase, you know, gameplay of Noctis in Tekken 7. I did the arcade mode. I did the Tekken Ball mode. and kind of did a little review of the different DLC that's available for Tekken 7 now. So if you haven't checked that out, definitely do so when you can. Uh, there's been some other games I've been playing here and there. Uh, some stuff for review. If you haven't already seen it yet, check out my review for Attack on Titan 2. It's already up now on the website. Uh, it's not that great. Uh, I think that I like the first Attack on Titan game a little bit better, mainly because I felt like there was a lot more of a 
a game plan as far as like content as far as stuff that's new that felt good to play and experience compared to the second game which feels a little bit more of the same and it's like the exact same story of the first two seasons of the anime or the manga and it's just from a different perspective that i felt like didn't really add anything it wasn't something that you know attack on titan fans are really going to run to in order to really experience this it's very similar to the approach that they took with Sword Art Online Fatal Bullet, which again, we have a review of that on the website now as well, uh, where they kind of allow you to make your own original character and then interact with the characters from the show or characters from the manga and go through some of the similar events or like alternate events based on those characters and those storylines. And I think that's a growing trend in anime games or at least you know with some of the more popular ones we didn't get that with other games like you know seven deadly sins or even some of the naruto games as of late i know there's been a couple here and there that have done something similar but like i mean the big naruto fighting games and the action adventure games but uh that seems to be a thing that's growing eventually you know with each new release uh coming either from bandai namco or tecmo koei or koei tecmo and uh it just didn't work here for me to be honest with you, it's again the gameplay is very similar, uh, and a lot of the other stuff is just very samey, not really that exciting. Uh, the other thing I've been playing, which we're going to be seeing a review from me on the website very, very soon, I've been reviewing Assault Gunners HD, and that's a mech game, uh, very similar to like again, if you like Gundam or if you like Dynasty Warriors Gundam, it's got a similar premise to it. It's an older game that's getting remastered for the PlayStation 4. Uh, I'll have more to say on that as the review goes up, probably within the next day or so, because we got PAX East coming up, and as you guys know, if you've been following the stuff. That we've been posting lately. I'm going to PAX East this year. Uh, not this week, but next week. I'll be there from the 5th to the 9th uh, covering the entire show. We're going to be checking out some of the games that are out there. So I'm trying to get a lot of other content up on the website before that actually comes. Uh, besides that, uh, another couple quick notes. Uh, I have some new unboxing and impressions videos up on the website now. We did the stuff for the Final Fantasy trading card game for Opus 5, the new set that came out. Uh, Squanix allowed us to actually do that unboxing, which was really cool. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. We have an interview, an exclusive interview with the controller people, the CEO, Alexander, uh, who runs the controller people, who does custom and modded uh, PlayStation 4 controllers with uh, their own custom decals and other cool stuff that he mods them with. We have an exclusive interview with him up now that actually went up right before this co-op podcast. So definitely check that out later when you guys get a chance, because we had a lot of talk about tech stuff, about PlayStation 4 controllers, about modding controllers, and different stuff like that. It's a short interview, but it's a fun interview. That was really cool. And then finally, the TK Spotlight episode where we have uh, Rich from Review Tech USA. If you haven't checked that out, definitely do so. A lot of good talk in there. A lot of great stuff we touched on about YouTube, about gaming, the games industry, uh, you know, being part of the medium, all this different type of stuff you guys definitely don't want to miss out on. So that's what I've been up to. I've been a busy bug, as always. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, definitely have a lot going on. Definitely feel free to check out those unboxings and the awesome interview with uh, Rich as well, because that that, that 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 was very cool to see. Um. So as for what I have been playing, uh, well, where do I begin? I'm only going to talk about the one game that I have been playing for the last few days, which is uh, by far one of the most controversial games. Uh, of the month, I believe, and that is Far Cry 5. Now, um, you guys will see a lot of reviews go out for this game starting early tomorrow morning. Um, you know, I actually didn't start playing until I returned from GDC because I wasn't here. But what I've played so far, I mean, the game is, is very, very good. Um, I know a lot of people looked at this game and they figured, oh, well, it's going to be a lot of the copy and paste, the same stuff that you see in any old Far Cry game. 
And I'm going to admit there is some repetition with certain things in that particular game. But overall, the game, game as is right now, based on what I played from the single player campaign, it is a pretty damn good game. Uh, you know, they deal with a lot of the topics with the whole cult uh, mentality. And I did understand that Ubisoft actually did research and actually spoke to people that have actually are in that space to try and figure out how to get this cult thing on point. And from what I've seen so far, they, they've, they've, they've nailed it. Um, so, uh, of course, open world, there's a lot of things to explore, a lot of side missions. Um, you are able to play the campaign uh, in co-op. I unfortunately have not been able to get into a co-op matchup as of yet. So instead of having a review for tomorrow, I may have like some first impressions, depending on whether or not I'm able to actually try out the co-op later today. Uh, I did try out the arcade mode, which allows you to basically create maps and play against others. The arcade mode is a lot of fun. Um, I'm not really sure how detailed you can get with the, with the whole map system yet, because again, there's not a lot of people that have the game yet. So with the time that I do have, I have to actually try and link up with people who have it to actually play it uh, until, of course, it comes out on Tuesday. But from what I played so far, the game is great. I don't really have any significant complaints about it. I will just, again, say the repetition is an issue um, as you get deeper into the game. And then, of course, you do have instance when you rescue people they can join your resistance force and once that happens you know the computer ai for your teammates it may start out to be pretty good in the beginning but as you get deeper into the game and as you start to you know liberate more territories then the computer is not quite as helpful and you're doing all the work yourself uh you know going back and forth against the bad guys this is why co-op is something that this game, I'm definitely glad that they added it because it feels like it was needed, necessary. But overall, the campaign is solid so far. So I will have some impressions on it tomorrow morning, early, because the embargo lifts, I think, around 3 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. But uh, I will have a full review sometime later this week. As I say, once again, I need time to actually try out the co-op as well as do a little, little bit more in the arcade, but so far, I would say if you're a Far Cry fan, you're looking for like an open world sandbox type game. Uh, this may be right up your alley. Um, but yeah, great game. Gameplay and using the weapons, it, it's spot on fantastic. Um, and there's a lot of things they, they've, they've done with the, with, with the actual system because they use the uh, Duna engine. Um, it just makes it, it's just a really well put together game, solid storytelling. So, so far... I have nothing but positive thoughts on it. But uh, stay tuned for our impressions uh, tomorrow morning. Um, and that is essentially uh, all that we have been playing this week. I do have a few things to say about GDC. I'll get into that in a little while. But um, before I get into that topic, uh, Mr. Lugo, I'm going to give the mic over to you because uh, I believe that you wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, Super Smash Bros. game that is actually going to be coming to the Switch later this year. So feel free to take it away. Yeah, sure. So we finally got a confirmation, basically, about Smash Brothers for Nintendo Switch coming in 2018, or at least sometime in 2018. So it could be assumed whether it's coming after the summer, you know, towards the third or fourth quarter of the year. We're not sure, but Nintendo basically just confirmed to us that it is coming out in 2018. How so? 
uh, besides press releases and stuff, they're going to have a Smash Brothers Invitational that's going on at uh, E3 this year, alongside the Splatoon 2 Invitational that's also happening as well at the same time. Uh, that's pretty cool because this is going to be the first time publicly that people are going to be able to play Super Smash Brothers on Nintendo Switch uh, in some form or capacity. So it'll probably be on the E3 uh, floor, much like Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and 3DS was when that game was really getting shown off and really getting spotlighted at the time before its release. So that should be pretty cool because we'll be out there. We'll be able to check it out. Uh, this also, uh, from my understanding, like I said, when we saw for uh, the, the announcement at, during the Nintendo Direct a little while back that this was a new Smash Brothers game. A lot of people have been very confused about this because they, a lot of people keep saying, and understandably so, that this might just be a port of the Wii U and 3DS game. But the way that Nintendo's talking about it, the way that it's being written about uh, in press releases, and the way that its presentation was in the teaser trailer that we got, seems like it's a totally new Smash Brothers game. And this makes sense to me because it's, it's like a trend where every new Nintendo system that's a big console release gets its own Smash Brothers game ever since the Nintendo 64. And this just keeps on with that trend. I don't. If it was really a port of the 3DS and the Wii U game, I feel like Nintendo would have already told us about it by now because it still would have had significant impact with people as far as excitement but even but it just wouldn't have never been a, a new game but the way that they're talking about this now and the fact that we haven't seen a lot of it at this point and we're also getting new characters the splatoon uh what is it splatoon 2 characters it's a brand new game and so that that pretty much is like straightforward to me now i'm looking forward to it i can't wait to see more of it i can't wait to see the gameplay i want to know about characters as far as like the ones that we already got confirmed but also what new characters are we going to get besides the splatoon 2 characters uh, are we going to see any other, uh, was it Nintendo franchises that might be dormant or, or Nintendo franchises that might have been forgotten, uh, get some spotlight? Or are we going to see characters that are probably from games that we already know, but like their lesser known B or C level characters finally get their due and kind of be put into the spotlight like that with everybody? Because that's what Smash Brothers does. I mean, a lot, not a lot of people really knew about Fire Emblem until Martha and Roy appeared in Super Smash Brothers Melee. That, that's just fact, and that's just how that kind of spawned off from there. So I'm curious to see what Nintendo does with this version of the franchise and if there's going to be any other new interesting things that come along with it for the Nintendo Switch itself. But that's pretty much the news of what we got right now. Any thoughts on this, uh, on the matter? Uh, I do have a quick comment to make. I I um, Well, I'm glad to, to know that for sure that it's going to be a new Smash Brothers game. Uh, I, I did see the announcement earlier this week that the tournaments they're going to be having at E3, that game is actually going to be in that tournament. So, um, it, yeah, it definitely will be at E3. Definitely would hope, and I have to say hope, that we can actually get appointments to play it. I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll, that's a whole other issue we're not going to discuss. But uh, as of right now, um, I'm looking forward to it. Um I'm looking forward uh, to a reason to actually use my Switch, and and I, I, you know, based on a lot of stuff that I saw at GDC, I definitely am going to have to start using the Switch uh, more often. But um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I don't know if Max or Gary, you have anything you want to say. I know Max isn't a huge fighting game fan. So he may not have nothing to say, but uh, surely Gary does. I don't really have that much to say. Um, I mean, once I do get Switch, that will probably be one of the games I consider picking up as well. But, um, you know, I don't have that much to say as my uh, my experiences with Smash Bros are limited anyway. So hold on a second. Let me ask a question, Gary. So if they announce we're going to have several Pokemon characters in the game, will that be enough to say, okay, now I need to get this... Uh, smash brothers game or, or, or that still won't do it for you 
Uh, that, that won't really do it for me. It has enough Pokemon <laughs> characters already. But what will do it for me is if they put in more Final Fantasy characters. Then, you know, that way I'll probably buy, like, every DLC Final Fantasy character there is. Because uh, as I... Yeah, exactly. They need to put Noctis. But um, as I said earlier in the chat, you know, the the main reason I bought Tekken was just so I can buy Noctis and, you know, put more money into Square Enix pocket. <laughs> No, here's, I want to put a thought out there. I want to put like a, a random seed of thought, and this is just total speculation, but a cool thing to think about. Because with Smash Brothers, with the collaboration that we've seen with Nintendo and other companies, like they've really shattered a lot of expectations of things that we thought weren't possible. Like that for whatever reason, we just never thought that they could be a reality until finally they happened and stuff. If Nintendo was very smart, and they are very smart, but if they were smart enough to talk business with different companies outside of what we would normally think of, besides what they've done with Square Enix, what they've done with Konami, what they've done with Sega here and there, they would go to another third-party developer or third-party publisher and get one of their characters into the game and create a big buzz with it. And right now, if, if I was a betting man, and if I was someone that was over there making a decision right now, I would go to Activision and Blizzard to talk to them and get an Overwatch character in it. Because the main reason is that a lot, a lot of people now these days, especially with Smash Brothers, uh, it's 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 a big deal when characters from other franchises make guest appearances. We've seen that a lot with the indie scene, with a lot of indie games making nods to other indie games within the same community, within the same scene. We get those cool collaborations, and we've been getting it now ever since with Injustice, with Tekken 7, with Street Fighter V to an extent, and all these other fighting games and other games that have been really been open to cross collaboration or cross promotion again assassin's creed and final fantasy 15 is probably one of the most random most interesting collaborations we've seen in the last year or so so what's the stop nintendo from doing something even more so than what they've done in the past i feel like you still get those cool interesting collaborations of guest characters that what we would normally expect to see like that and i don't think like you get cloud again in this new smash bros i feel like you go something crazy and get something like uh sora for kingdom hearts since kingdom hearts 3 is right around the corner but then doing something like that getting a character that is completely out there would really make some waves and really build a lot of buzz around a game like the new smash brothers but again a lot of that is dependent on nintendo being open to, to kind of you know work with and collab with other companies like that and i feel like activision especially with their relationship with nintendo with what they had with the skylanders games and a few others games here and there i feel like that's you know that's within the realm of possibility and if you're not don't get like an activision blizzard character get crash bandicoot because crash bandicoot's coming to the switch and i feel like that's a leg that's a layup straight up yeah i, I could see uh tracer being in that game since she's like the mascot of overwatch she would probably yes. blend well and crash for that matter that, that, that's exactly what i was thinking would be tracer and that that would be a big deal on multiple levels because not only is it a character from another franchise and another company that you wouldn't expect but then there's other conversations that get started with that remember there was a big conversation about tracer being the main character the marquee character because of other stuff last year and the year beforehand i mean i feel like it brings a lot more interesting positive good stuff if something like that was to happen but again that's all speculation. That's all uh, wishful thinking. I just feel like somebody over there should have the savvy and the business mindset to look into things like that because I think it's only going to benefit Nintendo in the long run. I agree. And I just have a comment to make. Uh, how did I know Gary was going to mention an Overwatch character coming to this uh, as a potential to come to this game? Well, yeah, that was me. That wasn't Gary, though. <laughs> that, that was me, technically. Oh yeah, he, well, you okay, mentioned right. it first. Now, you know, I was just. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's reason for it. I, 
I feel like there's reason for it. And I feel like now that we've seen what Smash Brothers Wii U and 3DS has done with that, with the franchise and, and how willing Nintendo is to kind of get these crazy moments and crazy reactions out of, every, out of everybody with all the stuff that they've been doing with the Switch and all these other games coming to the platform, whether they're indie or AAA third-party publishers and stuff, I feel like stuff like that is, with, is within the realm of possibility. And, if, and I really hope that people over there in some capacity are talking about this type of stuff because I think we win in the end, us consumers and us gamers. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, I mean, all, all I know is I'm looking forward to to seeing what's what's up with this new Super Smash Bros. Obviously, Nintendo will be a little bit more secretive until E3, and then they'll, you know, show us a lot more from the game. Uh, but, hey, it should be interesting. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um. So, uh, any other thoughts on Smash Brothers before we move on to the next topic? <laughs> I'm good. All right. Yeah. Let's move on then. All right. So, um, I uh, I'm going to just say something. I want to speak a little briefly about GDC. You know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, last week I was in San Francisco for Game Developers Conference 2018. That's the big reason why I wasn't on the co-op. It's also the reason why I wasn't on WrestleCast this past Friday. So um, I just want to say, uh, to clear up a few misconceptions about GDC and let people know what it actually is. So Game Developers Conference, uh, it is an opportunity for devs to approach publishers, show them their games, and potentially sign deals. It's also an opportunity for students who may have been working on some games to also get publishers interested in their games and to also apply for different jobs at different companies. Um, one thing about the show that people kind of miss is that, yeah, press uh, you know, as a press member of the press, you are able to attend the event and you are able to get appointments to see certain games. There are certain things that happen. Um, so uh, initially, when I had went, you know, I had signed up for a lot of different appointments, mainly with a lot of different indie development companies. Um, one very good PR company uh, that I have been working with, uh, and I did see a lot of their games was One PR Studio. Uh, they have about five or six different studios that they're working with, six different devs. Um, and a lot of the games they show were absolutely fantastic. Um, if I could think of one good example, like they also work with Techland. So Dying Light is working on a uh, their own version of PUBG, I guess you could call it. It's called Dying Light Bad Blood. Essentially, what it is is that six players are dropped into the Dying Light universe world and you basically have to, you know, kill zombies, harvest their blood. And once you have enough blood har harvested, there is a plane that comes and you're able to escape. But it is, again, while you are facing the zombies, you also have to worry about the other players who also are trying to kill you and collect the most uh, harvested blood as well. So I got a chance to play that game. That was fantastic. Um, you know, for those that like PUBG... Uh, they're definitely going to like this because if you, you know, obviously if you like Dying Light, it's the same. Everything is pretty much the same that you would expect from Dying Light. The parkour, all that stuff is there. And it, it was fantastic. It was a great experience. So um, 
what I do know about that game is uh, right now it's going to be an early testing on PC later this year. They don't really have a hard date yet, but it is going to be coming out for PC and consoles later this year. So as I said, if you're a Dying Light fan, uh, you definitely should check that out. But that that's just one game, an example of one game that um, one PR studio did show that I did get a chance to see. I mean, there's about 15 other games. So I'm essentially going to be doing another podcast uh, tomorrow in which I'll talk a little bit more extensively about my whole schedule with GDC from uh, Monday all the way up until Thursday because I did leave Friday morning. So definitely stay tuned for that. But a few other things I want to mention in, go in regards to what I did see there. On Tuesday, I did get a chance to go to the ID at Xbox Showcase event. Um, that was a very interesting event because, you know, it was indie, a lot of indie titles that were there. And one game in particular that was there that I found very interesting was Below. Uh, if you know about this game, it's made by Capybara Games. This game has been in development for what feels like uh, an eternity. Um, and when they did show it off there, you know, I did get a chance to play some of it. I see that they've made it a lot more difficult. They've added a lot of these survival elements to it as well. One thing that I find very interesting, though, when I asked the dev, so is this game coming out 2018? The dev said, well, we hope so. Yeah, we hope so. But it's not a guarantee of anything, you know, because whenever the devs are, are, are feel that the game is ready, and then that's when they're going to release it. And I would imagine this is a game where it will debut on PC and Xbox first, and then it will eventually come to PS4 because they have a lot of other games that they've released it on one console and it came to the other console later. Um, but from what I played, the game is still fun. It's very challenging. Um, still a lot of what I played when I got a chance to get my hands on it first at PAX East a couple years ago. So I just am looking for a release date. I have no idea when it's coming out. It looks to me like it's pretty polished and like it could be ready to come out. So I would not be surprised if Microsoft announces at their E3 conference that the game is coming out, uh, you know, sometime later this year. But we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, but yeah, the ID at Xbox event was was pretty great. There was a lot of great games there that I will be talking about more extensively on this other podcast. One thing I will mention that I found interesting, uh, Phil Spencer was at this event. All right. So I got a chance to talk to Phil Spencer for a very brief period of time. Um, you know, I introduced myself, you know, at the time I had on the coalition hoodie and I went up to him, introduced myself, said that I'm from the coalition. Instantly, this guy thought that I was from the coalition that works on Gears of War, even though it said on my shirt, coalition with a K. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, but it's a good little conversation. You know, he mentioned to me, you know, E3. They have a lot going on at E3. It's going to be a big show for them. You know, we've all heard that it's going to be a big show for Microsoft. I, I only can hope that that's the case. Um, but, I mean, it was a good little conversation. A lot of other people there. You know, Jeff Kelly was also there. So just a lot of great conversations, a nice laid-back environment. And Microsoft actually had food at the event, which we all know from going to the actual Xbox Showcase event at all these E3s in the past, they've never had food. So I hope that they definitely consider having food uh, at uh, this year's event. But um, we'll know in a couple of months if that's the case. So, uh, but yeah, great event, great time. Um, moving on from that, one other thing I will mention, 
uh, I did get a chance to play. Uh, well, I did get a chance to see the game that I essentially went to GDC for, and that is a game made by Funcom called uh, Mutant Year Zero: uh, Road to Eden. So this game, if I can just sum it up in a very simple terms, this game is basically XCOM, but you are using anim. Uh, I guess the correct terminology is anamorphic characters. So you're basically using animals that can talk. Um, they refer to them as mutants in the game. They're all mutated because of certain things that happen within the storyline. But it's basically XCOM, but it's a lot more difficult and a lot more involved in the whole strategy a genre. So I think that's a game that a lot of people are going to be interested in. Now, this is a game that's made by uh, people who have worked on Hitman as well as Payday. So when you think about that combination, you know that they definitely are going to have stealth down. The gameplay footage I saw was was pretty was pretty awesome um obviously uh there isn't really too much i can say about that game because that is under embargo as well a lot of things that i did see at gdc it's under embargo until later this week so i will have a write-up for about that game on wednesday so you can stay tuned for that and i'll have more to say on that possibly on next week's show because there is going to be some footage that also comes out so definitely stay tuned for that but uh i would say that definitely at the top of my list as far as the games that i've enjoyed the most there are plenty of other games that i definitely want to talk about and i am going to talk about on tomorrow's podcast so make sure that you do come back here tomorrow night uh, i want to say around the afternoon time to the evening time i'm not sure of a time i will make it known on twitter when i'm going to record the show though and i will give you all a deep dive as to how i spent gdc from day one to the very end but overall it was a great show, man. I mean, it really emphasized to me that there's a lot of independent developers as well as game creators that aren't really getting the attention that they deserve because I, I look at E3 every year and I think to myself, man, it's a lot of AAA studios here, all the big budget games. But in my personal opinion, uh, a lot of times the indie games, they definitely deserve more attention because they're a little bit more creative. You, a game like Call of Duty feels like it's the same game every single year. Whereas you have other games out here being made so, in so many different ways. It, it, it really is overwhelming when you when you actually see all the stuff that I saw. I, I've seen stuff that's being created for mobile devices that is now confirmed to be coming to Switch or might be coming to Switch. Uh, Banner Saga 3, another game that I briefly saw, which we all know now is also coming to the Nintendo Switch. So there's a lot of games that um, I was able to see that just really gives me a deeper deeper appreciation for indie devs and it makes me feel bad that there's a lot of bigger publications out there that will not cover any of these games so i definitely feel as though it is my responsibility to, to definitely try and cover them as best as possible uh, because the games are very 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 well done some great ideas great concepts and the developers themselves are great people so i definitely want to see a lot of these games get more attention so um with that said like I said, I didn't want to talk too much about GDC on this particular show because there's a lot of other things we have to talk about also. But definitely stay tuned for the conversation that I'll have tomorrow. Uh, and if you guys in the chat have any questions about GDC, feel free to let me know what those questions are. And I will also answer those questions when I do the podcast recap. But um, overall, a great show. A lot more laid back than E3. Uh, I think it's a better organized show also. Um, but 
definitely, definitely, I, I would say if uh, you ever have an opportunity to attend an, an E3, um, it's worth checking out. Uh, now, obviously, I don't really know what you would get uh, from going to that show if you're not involved in, in the press because you're able to make appointments. I mean, you can go to different panels, so on and so forth, because there's a lot of panels of people talking about game development, so on and so forth. But it still is a great experience, regardless. And and again, doesn't have a lot of the major AAA games. Like, like you're not going to go there and you're going to see, oh, a new Call of Duty gets announced. No, that's not going to happen. But what you will see is independent studios working on something really, really awesome. You'll think to yourself, why is this not getting more attention? And, you know, because the thing is, a lot of those indie devs, indie devs are not going to be at E3. They've already told me they will not be at E3. You know, they may be at PAX. There are some that are going to be at PAX. So Mr. Lugo will get to see some of them. But uh, overall, great, great show. And I will talk about it more extensively on tomorrow's podcast. So stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, that's all I have to say about GDC for right now. <laughs> so um. Did you guys have any questions you wanted to ask me about GDC or uh, should we move on to our next topic? No, I think I'm good because I'm curious to see what else you say tomorrow uh, about on the show about it, about it more in depth and stuff. Sure. Absolutely. As someone that's never been to GDC before yet, I always hear good things about it. So I'm curious to, to know how it goes down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it's Yeah. I definitely will have a lot more to say. I, I have more in-depth things to talk about. But um. Stay tuned for that tomorrow. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, this is actually a question for you, Gary. I'm not really sure who presented you with this question. Uh, so you'll have to, you know, give more context in into that. But um, the question was, can you imagine a time where hardcore game gamers such as ourselves play a mobile game in the long term? So, uh, Gary, uh, talk more about where this question came from and you know about this topic in general yeah this actually comes from me you know it's just it's a kind of (laughs) shrewd for thought kind of question so you know over the weekend i've been seeing a ton of like you know uh, people in our circle um you know who we of course consider hardcore gamers and you know people who take gaming very seriously now we know that you know mobile games are they can be fun and they they're typically used to pass time um of course there are a lot of like you know casual gamers out there who kind of get hooked on one game for you know um you know an extended amount of time like candy crush for example you know words of friends things of that nature but mobile you know iphone and android has never really been looked at as a, a platform for hardcore gamers where we can spend hours of our life and you know, be as immersed in the gaming experience as we are on the consoles and the PCs. But over the weekend and, you know, well, really like the past week, I've seen so many people talk about Fortnite and PUBG on mobile. Um, You know, people posting screenshots, people like they're really hyping up like it's a big deal. Like and people are, you know, they're acting um, really invested in these experiences on mobile. And that really kind of surprised me. So, you know, it brought about the question, like, you know, we kind of underrate, you know, the the mobile experience. But can you ever imagine a time where maybe like the hardcore gaming experience will move to mobile? We know that gaming and 
as you know as a whole is kind of moving towards more of a service-based method like you know of delivery and you know as peripherals get more advanced we're going to have stuff like vr and you know things of that nature peripherals that we can kind of maybe link with our cell phone so like you know it's possible that you know because we underestimate the the power of our phones they are supremely powerful they can run some powerful experiences you know um on them so in the future could you ever imagine you know the mobile actually being you know um utilized by hardcore gamers you know in in the long term like can you imagine being invested in an mmo experience that runs on your phone for instance um you know based on you know all the interest that's now being put back on mobile so i just wanted to ask you guys that if you think that will ever come to fruition uh i i, I do have a quick comment that i want to make um so I, I believe I do understand the question. Um, one thing I will say is that I do, you know, there's a lot of games that I did see at GDC that are being designed for mobile. Uh, there are two games in particular that really, really good games. There's this one game called uh, Homo uh, Machina. Uh, basically, it's a game where you are basically exploring the human body in different phases. Like you get to see people like if you've ever seen like a movie or animated film where there are actual characters walking through the human body and you get to see how different things work. All of that game is being done on mobile. Um, I know that's a game that's supposed to be coming out in April, actually. Um, the devs are looking into getting that on Nintendo Switch. But for right now, the focus is on Android and iOS. Uh, from what I understand, the, the, the game won't really last uh, too long. I mean, maybe it's like a, a couple of hours, so on and so forth. So uh, in regards to uh, people, you know, I believe you asked about people investing time on, on mobile, whether or not it's going to be uh, a really good investment of time. I do think that there's a lot of different games being made now that may uh, definitely interest people in playing mobile. Uh, on their phones it may not necessarily be for like hours and hours on end but i mean there could be little small bite-sized experiences that they have in between doing certain things like if they're traveling somewhere so on and so forth uh i also want to give a shout out to mr david jagno because uh pubg actually launched on mobile this week and this was something that just came out of nowhere uh on ios and android so he's been playing that all week and i've got to see him play that back and forth you know um, and that game, a lot of people, once they knew it came out, they have been now, everybody is on the game. You know, some people, because it launched early uh, when it did, they were already getting in first place, uh, within the first a couple of sessions of playing the game. So that's another game where, you know, for those who are into that type of stuff, they can play that for a little while. I'm not saying they're going to be on it for hours and hours on end, but you know, just if you're traveling every day. You have some time. Maybe you want to jump on the phone and play some stuff. So I think um, there are certainly going to be some people will will have an incentive to play on their mobile devices. Uh, I just don't know how much time they actually will spend on that device. But there is at least some entertainment out there designed for people who want to play while they're on the go. So I just wanted to make that comment. Yeah, he, he's uh, one of the main ones I saw, you know, kind of playing it and posting stuff about it and stuff. So, yeah, uh, a lot of this question is inspired by him.
But uh, Max, how do you feel about it? Um, so I'm in an interesting position with this because it's like I've always played games on my phone, but they've always that's always been like because or that's always been at a time when I don't have the opportunity to play like a console or something. Like when I when I lived in Chicago and I was on the CTA every day, I was always looking for new games to play and stuff like that. But there was something about him. I don't know if it's my ADHD or what, but I just could never stick with one for very long at all. Like even now, um, the only game on my phone, and I, I literally am looking at my games folder. I have like 20 games on here right now. Most of them have barely been touched. The only ones that I like play regularly are Tetris and a crossword game because I just like puzzle games a lot. And those are, this is literally the best platform to play it on is mobile because it's like I'm standing in line somewhere. I could jump on and do a few clues in my crossword puzzle or something like that, you know? When it comes to actual like gaming on there, I don't know. I've tried playing a few MMOs on my phone, and there's just something about them where it's not even necessarily the way that the game is designed. It's more that they are like pay to win games and there's just infested with microtransactions so much that like I don't even have the desire to try out the game very much. I remember when like the iPod Touch first became a thing and App Store and everything became a thing. We had games like Infinity Blade, which was really, really cool. And that was a game that I actually stuck with for a long time. And that could have eventually transitioned into some sort of like MMO type game, you know, or like a game that people would play for a long, long time. It's just when it comes to hardcore gaming, I just prefer a console almost every single time. And also just because controls on these mobile games are just not very good. I assume I haven't watched gameplay on it just yet, but I've been seeing a lot of David's posts as well about PUBG. So I assume that the controls on there are actually pretty good if he's able to win as much as he is and everything. And if he's enjoying it as much as he is, like I have to assume the controls are good, but just most of the time they're not. Like, for example, I bought Chrono Trigger on my phone before a flight the other day just because it's a game that I'd want to be playing while I'm going around. Or like, well, I have time to sit down because I really like older RPGs and it's really easy to play them on mobile because it's like... They, they run really well and everything, but it's just the controls in that are so, so terrible. I didn't think they would bother me that much, but they really do. It's like there isn't a dedicated <clears throat> joystick. Instead, it's wherever you put your finger on either side of the phone, you just suddenly have like your joystick and you move it around everywhere. And it's kind of annoying because it's really hard to do like diagonals and stuff like that. And also there's no buttons on the screen or anything. So when I want to talk to someone in Chrono Trigger, for example, I have to run up to them. I have to make sure I'm facing them. So I have to kind of finagle my character to make them face the person. And then I have to tap on them like through my character. Like I have to tap on that character and make sure I don't miss. And the character, if they're moving around, that is so much harder. Like there are points in that game where you have to chase something and like tap on it. And that is just, it's very difficult to do. (laughs) So, I'm, yes, there are games that can be designed for mobile that work really well. I have played some like mobile-specific RPGs, like this the Xenonia series. I think it's done now, but like when I first got into smartphones and everything back in like 2013 and stuff, I, I would play those sometimes. But there was still just something about it. It's just I can't not see it as a casual experience. I don't know why, just because of the way... It's just because I'm playing it on a phone. There's also so much distractions and everything. You're always getting notifications. You're getting, like, texts, tweets, et cetera, et cetera. Excuse me. I understand you can turn off on do not disturb and everything like that, but 
I don't know. It's kind of annoying to have to do that all the time. It's just there's so many things you have to do to kind of make the experience better that it's just more appealing to me to just sit down on my console or my PC and just play a game. I don't know. It's just I get why it appeals to casual gamers because they don't really care that much. They're just playing it to pass the time and everything most of the time, like especially Fortnite players like on mobile. And that's cool. I could see myself actually trying out Fortnite on mobile every once in a while, but that would just literally be like, for example, I was at my friend's house yesterday. I didn't have my Xbox. He was playing it on his Xbox. I would have downloaded Fortnite on there and played with him for a little bit, but that's it. You know, I wouldn't have done that any other time. I only, I would have just not played it and just played, waited until my console at home. I wouldn't play Fortnite on there otherwise. I don't know. It's just not really something that I've ever cared for. I think that may just because be because of the way we grew up, though, whereas kids nowadays are growing up with smartphones a lot more than we did, and, like, games are obviously much more advanced on them. So I get why there are definitely hardcore gamers just that will play mobile only. And I get it with a tablet, too. I think with a tablet, it's much more viable, especially with all, like, the retro ports and everything. Like, Chrono Trigger on a tablet with, like, a controller... That would be fantastic, I'd say. That's a great way to play it. But other than that, it's just, it's very, very frustrating right now to me. I just really haven't seen many experiences that make it worthwhile. Uh, I know you was a, you know, you was a huge Pokemon Go player. Um, So do you think that if, you know, there were more games like that, that kind of included, um, you know, alternate reality and included the things around you, you know, into your, your real life, basically into the game. Do you think that would be enough to get more people to invest more time in mobile games? Or is that sort of thing just a fad that, you know, kind of only lasts a little while? That's a good question, actually, because I kind of forgot about Pokemon Go because <laughs> I did play it a lot when it first came out. Um, I don't know. I want to lean more towards fad. But obviously, I just don't think our phones can handle the power that AR can really do just yet. At least not without them being thousands and thousands of dollars. I could be wrong in that. I don't know much about the architecture of phones and everything like that. But I don't know. Pokemon Go, whether it's the fault of the developers or limits of technology, was a pretty limited experience. Yes, it was novel at first. It was pretty cool at first. But the novelty wore off fairly quickly. And there just wasn't a lot to it. And alternate reality does seem kind of limiting in terms of gaming in a phone. Like, VR is a totally different story. But when it comes to just AR and a phone, I feel like there isn't a whole lot you can do aside from, like, what Pokemon Go did that isn't just, like, having you sprinting around, like, a city or something like that. And it's like, when are you going to be able to do that? Like, Pokemon Go worked because you could walk around, you could stop and throw your Pokeballs and everything. I feel like there's not much else you could do with that unless you're, like, in a field somewhere and that's not going to appeal to a lot of people, you know? So, I don't know. That's a good question. That's something that I would have to give a lot more thought into, I'd say. But at first thought, no. I don't think that would change much, at least for hardcore gamers. I think for casual gamers, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I I can understand. How about you, JJ? Any thoughts? The only really thought 
real thought I could really contribute to, to any of this is that I think one of the other components that we've really kind of forgetting, at least why, you know, this conversation is even being had about hardcore gamers really just committing themselves to playing mobile games for a long term in the same way that we've done console games for so many years is that now these days within the last couple console generations we've seen a surge of people just wanting to watch games and i think that's also part of the charm is generating an audience and it becoming a social uh, thing a big social aspect to a lot of these experiences i mean you mentioned pokemon go we just had PUBG go mobile not too long ago. A lot of that is the atmosphere that it creates around the game, not necessarily the game itself. The fact that you're interacting and communicating with other players uh, in one way or another a lot more differently than what you've had with previous experiences on, on games, even with stuff like Xbox Live, PSN, and even Nintendo, uh, was it Nintendo Wi-Fi or Nintendo Network? Uh, you know, the, the, the socialization and the interaction with other people is vastly different. At the same time, also, the way that we take in those experiences of these types of games is also radically different. And a lot, a big part of that is people just watching the games as opposed to playing them. So uh, for PUBG specifically, and even Fortnite, you could throw it in there because, again, they're very similar in a lot of regards, is that there's a lot of people that just love the, the, the socialization outside of the game. You know, being in the chat rooms on Twitch. Uh, being in the chats or in the forums, you know, away from just, you know, whatever streams or, or videos that are going on in the comments and stuff. And you could really kind of compare that or see a lot of the parallels with people that play on mobile when they take that experience with them everywhere, as opposed to like having a handheld, handheld console like the Switch or the 3DS or the PS Vita or the PSP, the Game Boy, etc. It's just not the same type of experience. It's just a totally different type of uh, interaction you're going to have. So I feel like that's really where that wave or that crowd is really kind of gravitating towards or where it's going. I don't think it's ever going to replace the type of experience and the way that hardcore gamers and, and people that become hardcore in gaming, you know, with their with the way that they take in their experiences is going to change. It's not going to replace that. It's probably going to be parallel, you know, in the same way, because again, there's going to be so many different types of gamers out there experiencing the medium in so many different ways. And, I, and even though they're going to overlap, I don't think they're really going to push each other to the side. There's always going to be those ebbs and flows in the industry. Yeah, I certainly agree. Um, great thoughts all around. I just want to make a quick comment um, because I saw some people was asking about the PUBG in the chat. Yes, it is free, and, and, and I have to say this, and this is absolutely this is 100% accurate because I have seen it, I've played it. It looks and runs better than when PUBG launched on Xbox One Game Preview uh, back in December. Now, obviously, there was a lot of patches for that particular console version. I haven't seen how it, it, it looks or runs uh, as of late, but I can definitely say this game was running fantastic. Uh, it looked fantastic when I had a chance to play it earlier this week. So um, I think that's very interesting. But uh, Now that's on iOS and uh, Android? Android yep. device, like you play on like, your iPad or, or your phone, et cetera? Oh, yeah, and, and, and it's free. <laughs> yeah. Um, no microtransactions. Uh, either so at least not from what I've seen but um, yeah I mean as I say uh, you know for those that are interested certainly it, they can definitely pick it up play it on the go if they want but um, we'll see what happens based on like, like I said you know what I've seen uh, at, at GDC with all these games that are being designed for mobile and stuff I, I do think it's very interesting um, and that will definitely get people you know I think it, it will definitely work for those who are casual gamers, obviously, 
But even if it's a hardcore gamer that has the game all the time, even when they're traveling, they definitely may consider some picking up some of these. Only if they if they're actually interested in these types of genres, though. But um, they definitely a lot of options out there for everybody. So we'll see. Uh, any final thoughts before we move on to uh, next topic? No, I'm good. Awesome. Okay, Gary. So you'll definitely have to let me know more about this particular news story. Uh, apparently, there is some news that CD Projekt Red has another AAA RPG in development alongside Cyberpunk 2077. And it's due to release before 2021. So before we even get into that, I just want to ask a question. Uh, when do you guys think that Cyberpunk 2077 is actually coming out? Because I think that we definitely may get some news at E3, but I have no idea when the hell this game is coming out. So just a quick question. When do you guys think that's actually coming out? Not this year. I'll tell you right now, not this year. <laughs> uh, well, I think with, with this other news, I think we're going to see that game soon, like maybe next year even. like I think they'll definitely announce it like they'll reveal it this year and then i think we might see it um actually next year come out um and i'm thinking they might even um show cyberpunk gameplay at one of the big e3 conferences maybe even microsoft or something um i could picture that happening because that's going to be a big deal um you know if we get to see that game for the first time you know the gameplay and everything um and yeah, I think it's coming next year, possibly, because you know, if this other game is due for release in 2021, they probably want to want to give um, Cyberpunk, you know, more of a window to to breathe, you know, a little bit and stand on its own. So um, I, I think we'll see it next year. Yeah, I 100% agree with that, and I think that this year it will be the year that that game starts to really get shown off and be thrown in like the forefront of people's minds. Um, I am a bit, I guess worried isn't the word, but annoyed, I guess I could say, that they're working on like another open world, or I guess it's not, they didn't say it's open world, but I'm going to assume it's an open world RPG as well. Um, Because Cyberpunk is one, and then they're just doing another one, and I'm still feeling that open world burnout. But at the same time, if anyone were to get me back into open world games, I would say it's probably CD Projekt Red. So... We'll have to see, of course, but I just think that's like maybe they should try something new, but at the same time, they can do whatever they want. It's their company, but yeah, that's my thoughts on it. But I agree. I think we'll be getting Cyberpunk much earlier than we think because of this news, which is the part I'm excited about. About. I think more, I'm, I'm kind of along the lines similar to you, Max. I, I think it's more next year. I don't think it's this year by far. I think that we, like Rich said, I think we hear about it because it's been a while. They've been dormant with news about Cyberpunk and it's been talked about in passing here and there. And only recently when they made a Twitter post, I think everybody lost their mind. Like they got really excited. Like, oh, here we go. We're going to get some details. And that's what we got. So I think we see it at E3. We, we kind of see it in like a real true light, like maybe at one of the conferences at some point. But uh, as far as a release this year, I don't think it comes out this year. I think it comes out next year towards the holiday or e- or even maybe a little bit earlier than that. And I think that 
that being the reason because they made this announcement that they're working on another game. I don't think it was the right time to say that they were working on another game. I think the conversation for them solely should just be on Cyberpunk at this point. Because to me, that says either one of two things. Either one, they're, they're kind of almost done. Or two, they're rushing it because they've been in development for so long about it. As well as also three, keep in mind, we just got a, a, a recent news about Gerard, Gerald being in a Soul Calibur 6. So that tells me also maybe it's something related to like The Witcher. Because that's what really CD Projekt Red is really known for. That's like their one of their biggest franchises or one of their biggest games or, or biggest series. So, I mean, it, it kind of all makes sense to me like that. But at least that's how I feel at the current moment. I don't think it's this year. I think it's next year. Uh, I just want to add, I also agree 100% with what you just said. I don't think I would have uh, had any any news about this other game before, uh, before uh, Cyberpunk. Uh, that's a game a lot of people have been waiting for. So, um, and you know, if they release it in 2019, that's fine. But now you're talking about releasing another game before 2021. That means it'll only be about one year in between Cyberpunk and whatever this other new game is. So I think that's a little way. I, I personally think that's a little too soon. But um, I mean, we'll see. You know, we'll see what they essentially have. But yeah, Cyberpunk is the main focus now. That should be the only game that they're talking about. Um, but we'll see if it's all connected. Now, uh, the other the other part of this question is, um, do you guys actually think this other game is actually going to come out before 2021? Because I don't think, it, you know, I don't really know how long this other game has been in development. So I can't say for sure that I know for sure it's going to come out in 2021. I just think, uh, obviously, CD Projekt Red, they're good at what they do. So I, I, I have credit that they'll do a great job no matter when this game comes out. But I, I just do not think it's realistic to think that this game will be out uh, a year after Cyberpunk. Unless, you know, for some reason, they surprise everyone and release Cyberpunk this year, which is highly unlikely. But that's just my thoughts. Um, so how about you, Gary? You think this uh, other game is actually going to come out before 2021 or may this get pushed out a little bit further? Uh, I I think they could make it, you know, come out before 2021 because here's the thing, like, CD Projekt Red has grown as a company over the years. Like, they've grown in both popularity and, you know, um, the, the scale of the games that they create, you know, um, and I'm sure they've had time to expand, you know, their staff and their developers and everything, their development teams. So, uh, you know, they could have been working on this for years already, um, you know, since maybe since after Witcher 3 came out. You know, obviously, they just ha have kept it a secret until now. Um, so I think it's realistic to think that, you know, they could release it before 2020. And um, do, you, do you want me to explain what i think the game is now or should i save that oh yeah go ahead go ahead yeah i like we were talking about this before the show and um you know in the witcher 3 they were pushing the new character siri you know the female character they were pushing her a lot you know in that game um obviously Geralt is like you know the main person you think of when you think of the witcher but siri she was on a lot of promotional art and everything and um she had you actually got to play as her in the witcher 3 as well for portions of the game and stuff so they were really building up that character a lot so i i think that the game might be based around her um i think it you know it could either be a spin-off or 
um, maybe even a continuation somehow. I don't know, but I really think um, we might see a game based on her, based on that character. So I think that could be what they're working on. Yeah, uh, I agree 100% with that because I do recall when I started playing The Witcher, they had the little training session that she had with Geralt. Um, yeah, it definitely building up this character uh, to have a, a much bigger a role moving forward. They already said that Geralt uh, will not be the main star in the next game. That doesn't mean he won't make an appearance here or there. It just means the focus is not on him. So, yeah, that's an excellent theory. I agree with that 100%. Um, and it would make sense because that, that, that would also make it a little bit easier from, the, from them from a development standpoint because you already have the character developed. So you have that character model done. You, maybe you can add additional character models or alter and tweak certain things that you've done within that character, within that universe. So, it, yeah, if they do take that approach, it definitely can come out um, before 2021. But, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, how about you, Max? Yeah, I can definitely see that. I, I had that idea, like, kind of in the back of my head when they said this. Like, it could be Witcher-related. I don't know for sure if it will be or not, but I definitely think it's a franchise they don't want to die off. And Gary's definitely right. They established so much side stuff and like so much with Siri that it can easily be another game. Um, and it's just their specialty, you know? It would probably be their first time. I haven't read the novels, but I'm going to assume that this would be their first Witcher game that wouldn't go off of the novels. It'd be their first like time being able to create something entirely new from this universe. So that would be really cool if that's the case. But um. I don't know. It's definitely too early to tell, but I think that there's a lot of safe bets to be made on it being related to The Witcher in some way, shape, or form. I agree. Uh, any other thoughts, Mr. Lugo? No, I think everybody pretty much covered everything. Again, like I said, I think it's Witcher-related because that's their biggest franchise. That's their biggest series. And that, to me, uh, if I was a company or at least I was someone working at a company, if I had a big franchise like that, it would be kind of like a signal that to let everybody know, listen, we're working on something big and it's something that you're going to love. So that's the, probably the, the, the most easiest layup thing I could think of with them. Agreed. Okay, uh... Before we move on to the main topic, I, I want to throw a quick question out there. And I don't really think, I know Gary will not be able to answer this. Did you guys get to see the God of War footage that Sony showed off this past week? Um, and if so, did you have any thoughts on that? Can't wait to play it. I'll tell you right now, the more I see it, the more <laughs> I really want to play it because I think it looks good. And they, they've kept on enough under wraps and they've showed us a lot to really pique my interest. And I'm pretty sure it's the same thing with a lot of other people that have been following this game already since it was first announced. You know, because again, we're, we're, we're coming up now since it was first announced about a year and a half to two years, I think, maybe, give or take. It's been a while since we've seen since we first got that first announcement at uh, PlayStation uh, PlayStation's E3 conference. So again, I'm pretty excited about it. I can't wait. Absolutely. Uh, uh, less than a month now till it'll actually be out. So definitely looking forward to that. Um, how about you, Mr. Max Muller? Did you see the footage? you have any thoughts or you, you didn't get a chance to check it out? Yeah, I saw the footage. I think it looks like a really, really fun game. Um, I think that it's a nice twist on, or not necessarily twist, but like innovation on the 
old kind of God of War. It's nice that there doesn't seem to really be any like quick time events or anything like that, which is really cool. Um, I'm still not 100% sold on having like the side character, like his son, just like having a character <laughs> follow you around and everything. Like I hope against hope that it's more of a character like Elizabeth in Bioshock Infinite, maybe with more use, but like a character you don't have to like maintain or babysit or anything like that. Rather, they're just, they just exist and they make the game a little bit easier here and there. Like for the plot, I get it. And I think it's important for the story and everything, but in terms of gameplay, I really don't like having another character to like babysit all the time or anything. I hate that stuff so much, but um, we'll have to see. I doubt, I doubt that it's a, babysitting at least the entire time i'm sure there will be parts of the game that's like that but um if for if what we're hearing is correct and it's a 25 to 35 hour game i don't think there's any way that you're just going to be watching this one person the entire time but we'll have to see i'm sure it's going to have some interesting plot elements and that's why they did it yeah you know for, for some reason i i can't help but feel like one of those characters is not going to make it to the end of the game uh i i would like to hope that i am in, uh, wrong about that but it kind of feels like something really dramatic is going to happen before that game is over to one of those characters. Um, yep, I agree. And, you know, I, I spoke to some people at GDC about this, and a lot of them, they think that the kid is going to die. I told them, I don't, no way, man. I, 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 don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, or, you know, Kratos, but honestly, Kratos is the main person of the series. So I don't really think, I mean, it, it would have to be something really really dramatic over the top for them to do that but uh i don't know i know they want to make more god of war games after this so i have to believe that means the kratos will kratos will still be around and possibly his son as well but at some point something is definitely gonna happen to one of those characters i just i just think that's that's definitely gonna happen um but we'll see yeah i could see it being a lot like gears four where like marcus is in it but he's not like the main character ah, yeah you know i can definitely see it being like that and then they'll set up the new trilogy with with whatever they end up doing in this game same with gears 4 because i'm sure uh kind of spoilers if you haven't played gears 4 yet but um i'm <laughs> sure that marcus is going to be dead in like gears 5 or 6 if not 5 <laughs> but um i doubt i could see one of the characters dying off but i'm sure in this new god of war Kratos will probably get like severely injured or something and he'll be pushed off to like the side, but I don't know if either of them will die per se. Um, in this one. Yeah. I don't know yet. It'll be interesting, but well, I'm sure Kratos is going to die in the next game. If not this one. It's, it's certainly possible. I mean, uh, like I said, we, we, we will find out for sure how the game pans out, uh, next month, but, um, definitely some food for thought. And, and in regards to what you said about Gears of War, uh, I personally thought Marcus wasn't going to make uh, Gears of War 4 because the way that they designed that storyline and certain stuff that happens. But uh, yeah, some people are definitely going to get killed because it can't always be a happy ending to all of these stories. You know, we already know the way they ended Gears of War 4. That story definitely is still not over. And there will probably be a lot more losses because, you know, you saw Coltrane is still there and a whole bunch of other characters is still there at the end. So that's definitely going to change. Um, but interesting, to say the least. We'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't watch it because, you know, I, I kind of don't want to uh, see too much of the game before playing it and stuff. But um, just to bounce off of that, you know, the whole 
will will they die or whatever um if i'm thinking in terms of you know the business behind the game i think they want to make money off of this ip for a long time and um if they are going to kill kratos it would mean they would have to sell us on another character throughout you know gears of war 4 um like they're gonna have to do a great job selling us on you know kratos's replacement or who's gonna Wait, carry on. the mantle Wait a second. You say Gears of War four? Don't don't have uh, Microsoft I mean, and oh, sorry, sorry. people coming after you, Gary. <laughs> my bad, my bad. I meant I mean God of War. Those, those titles are so like similar, like the names. But um, yeah, no. God of War. I mean, yeah, um, they really have to gonna have to do a good job of selling us on on another character if they want to, you know, kill off Kratos for good. Um, the son. Yeah, the son exactly. Um. <laughs> But I wouldn't put it past them because they did this, you know, before. I wouldn't put it past them to kill off Kratos and then um, come out with another game that is essentially a backstory of how he got to Norse mythology or something like that. Because mm. um, remember, you know, after God of uh, yeah God of War three, Kratos appeared to be dead, and then they came out with Ascension to um, you know show the backstory of Kratos and everything. So. Um, they probably might do something like that just to milk it a bit more. And then, you know, the the third game after that would be completely the sun or something like that. So that's a good they point. They could do that. That's a very good point. I mean, it, it, we'll definitely have to see, you know. Um, I know that another game that we can mention very briefly, Last of Us Part Two. you know, people speculating that uh, Joel will not make it in that game. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with all these different uh, situations um, in regards to certain characters. Because, you know, in the, in the case of God of War, yeah, Kratos is the main character of that series. So as you said, they definitely will have to do a, a really solid job of selling us on why this kid is someone who we need to look forward to playing as a moving forward. So I don't know what they're going to do. This is all just uh, speculation, but... um. Very interesting to see how it all comes together and what the an overall plan is for both of those characters. Because as you said, Max, already, both of those characters in, in the game, uh, I mean, when I saw the footage, I thought it looked fantastic. Um, the hand-holding thing with the kid, you know, that might get to be a little too much if you have to do that for all 25 hours. Uh, but still, I'm looking forward to the game. I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. Uh, but I, I'm just very curious to see how they handle both of those characters uh, towards the end. Because for some reason, I, I just think, you know, I don't really know if they're still going to both be there at the end. But we'll see. Yeah. So uh, any final thoughts on this particular topic before we move on to our main discussion for today? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. All right, so our main discussion is inspired by uh, Mr. Max Muller, who uh, he wrote a very interesting piece this week on Sea of Thieves because he has been playing it. Um, and I heard that Max had to walk the plank a couple of times. People coming after him because of some some, some, some stuff that he said in the article. So uh, we're going to definitely talk about that. But, but essentially, uh, Gary wanted to pose the question. Um, is Sea of Thieves a shallow means of selling Game Pass? Now, I do have some thoughts on this particular topic, but we're going to let uh, 
you first break down your theory, Mr. Max Muller, and then we'll all uh, share our own thoughts. Okay, so my theory with Sea of Thieves and sort of the future of Microsoft right now is that they are kind of going in a very, very service-based direction. And, you know, looking at Game Pass when it released, was it last year? Did it come out the year before that? I think Game Pass actually came out last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, You know, we already could see that they were kind of going into the games as a service type of just future or just marketing and everything. But um, they still didn't really come out with any first party exclusives for us to play. So that's kind of frustrating. So see if these was kind of their first first party exclusive in a while. And, you know, there was a lot of hype behind it. There's a lot of buildup behind it. It kind of needed to be good. It needed to be really good. It needed to be a system seller in a way. Like people say it didn't need to be. But I feel like it kind of did just because of the situation that Xbox and Microsoft are in and are in and everything like that. But, you know, after it came out and as I said earlier and in the article, I find the game to be very, very shallow. There's almost nothing to it that has been added since the even the alpha in 2016. Um, trying to find things to do like is kind of difficult. Like actually, Mark, who was in the chat earlier, I don't know if he still is. Him and I were playing it for a while one night and we were we were struggling trying to find stuff to do. And like some people see that as like kind of a bonus, like, Oh yeah. Part of the fun is like go exploring the world and making your own story and everything like that. And I agree. There are games that do that very well. Like I played Minecraft for years and years and years, you know, making my own story and everything like those types of games do appeal to me. I just feel like in sea of thieves, you have no ways of doing that or very limited ways of doing that. Like for example, you explore, there's all these islands everywhere and you have zero incentive to go explore any of them because you know there's nothing on them. The, the only things you can find on them are like the loadout, which by the way, you're given at the very beginning. You are given your entire loadout at the beginning. There's no progression in the game aside from aesthetically. But um, anyways, you're exploring. You get to an island. The islands look cool and the game is gorgeous. Sailing is really fun. But you get to the island and the only thing there is like cannonballs, bananas, and then skeletons, which like you fight very in the like a very very bare bones combat system it's really boring um and then you leave like there's occasionally you'll find like a, a bottle which has a map to a treasure chest but guess what quests already give you that so it's nothing unique or new it's just getting it from somewhere else that isn't a quest and it's just a lot of stuff like that so it's just there's no incentive to land on any of these islands unless you have a quest that tells you to go there yeah, you can find, like, a chest sometimes, too. Guess what? You'll bring a chest back. You'll turn it in for gold. The only things you could get with gold are more missions or aesthetically different things. Like, you can get different colors on your ship. You can't upgrade your ship in any way, shape, or form. You can just add things to it. You can, like, add a masthead to it. Or you can change the sail color or the design on the sail and just stuff like that. And same with your character. Like, you don't have anything to work towards, which is really frustrating. But they have said that there will be a bunch of free LD, free DLC coming to this game in the future, which is great. That's fine. That's fantastic. Good. I hope that it adds a lot of actual progression in the game. But um, my theory is more that Microsoft and Rare and everything, they kind of knew this going or when they released the game. They knew that the game was shallow. They knew that there wasn't a lot to it, and they were okay with that. The point of Sea of Thieves is to sell 
Game Pass. They are because they did this huge push that it's available on Game Pass. You know, they said all their first party games will be available on Game Pass. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the first game to come out since they've said that. This is their first first party game since they've said that. And my theory is that they are going to be coming out with a lot of games like this that are like C or B level games, not necessarily the best games of all time, system sellers, to pad out Game Pass. So you have all of these fun with friends titles like Sea of Thieves, like potentially Crackdown 3 and State of Decay 2, because let's be honest, Crackdown 3 doesn't look very good. It's a four-player co-op game, just like Sea of Thieves. State of Decay 2 looks better, but it's also it's selling for $30, which is worrying. Um, it's also a four-player co-op game. It's also coming to Game Pass. And there's just a lot adding up to say that these experiences will just be fine, fun experiences that are much more fun with friends. And to be honest... More fun with friends is like everything is more fun with friends. So that's not necessarily something I'd say you should strive for. But to be fair, Microsoft might be making that its business model because say someone gets Sea of Thieves and like they want three buddies to join them. They'll be like, hey, just get Game Pass. It's $10 a month. They'll get Sea of Thieves. They'll play it for like 10 hours or something. And then they'll see, oh, I have 99 other games to play. So I'm going to start playing those and they'll all stick with Game Pass and then Sea of Thieves will have an update in a few months and then they'll be like, oh, I'll go back to Sea of Thieves and I know they're adding microtransactions to it eventually so they might delve in on those. And the other thing is that Game Pass, you don't need gold. You don't need Xbox Live Gold to use Game Pass, but you'll need it to like play with Sea of Thieves or play on Crackdown 3 or State of Decay 2. So it's going to push your friends to also get xbox live gold because it's much easier to sell your friends on something that's ten dollars a month rather than a whole 60 dollar game you know people are always like oh are we going to keep playing it in a few months they're kind of solving that problem in a way with game pass which is cool that's a good idea actually but i worry that they're just going to keep coming out with these types of games instead of having any system selling games or like super super strong single player games you know i don't think single player games are going to be dead like you know we're still getting gears 5 Halo 6, I'm sure, I, I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if ReCore gets a sequel of some sort in the future or something like that. But the point is, I feel like their focus is going to be on these kind of experiences to pad out Game Pass, which is can be frustrating. You know, that definitely appeals to a certain type of gamer. Like, there are definitely gamers who will get, like, the Xbox One X even for $500, but they won't have to buy any games for it because they'll be like, oh, I'll just pay $10 a month for Game Pass and have 100 games. That's kind of a big selling point, you know? And that that works for those people, but they won't be getting games like God of War or Horizon or Persona 5, you know, just on and on and on. That list goes on. And I feel like Microsoft is okay with that. That's not the business model they're trying to go for anymore. Or if it is, that won't be ha- that won't be the case for a couple of years when they can finally build up that library of awesome titles. We don't know for sure. This is obviously some speculation, but it's based on a lot of fact and it's based on a lot of their history and just where they seem to be going. Um, so we'll have to see, of course, but it's just... It's not necessarily a bad business move. It's just a different business move. It's actually great for them, but for consumers, it may not be the best, depending on what they're looking for, depending on what gamers are looking for. I know, like, in my sake, it's definitely not what I want out of Xbox or anything like that. But, yeah, that's kind of my theory so far with everything that's been going on. Okay, uh, great theory. Uh, Mr. Gary Swaby, you have any thoughts on this particular topic? I think there's a lot of validity to that. Um, 
Microsoft seem like they definitely want to push the Game Pass. You know, I think、uh, they they kind of want to push that forward as like their main、uh, service and you know kind of business model for Xbox. I think so.、Um, you know, doing what Max said and putting a lot of these kind of、um, you know bare bones and shallow experiences out. You know, for the system. I mean, for the、uh, service.、Um, It you know it makes sense and you know it's you know it, it makes sense. But here's the thing, right? Like, even if they promise you know to、um, add more to a game like Sea of Thieves in the future, like、um, you know we're going to continue to add to it. We're going to you know put a lot more stuff, a lot more content in the game over time and everything like that.、Um, they're already like Xbox players are already void. Of rich experiences, so they're expecting you know rich experiences moving forward at this point because like everyone's kind of pointing the finger at Microsoft at this point, saying you know where's the games,、uh, you know you don't have any games and everything like that. And Sony has all these exclusives, you know they even have third party exclusives on the system and stuff like that.、Um, so you know I think if they do that too much, if they Because、um, I know in the past Phil Spencer has said that they do want to focus on service-based games, but you don't want to, you know, put out a bunch of these service-based games and then kind of fall behind because people don't want to be waiting on new content, you know, for all of these games all the time. When there's a get, there's a console over here that has, you know,、um, fully finished and fleshed-out experiences that they can get. So. It's a good strategy for the long term, maybe, but in the immediate, you know, I think I feel like Microsoft needs to win the immediate game right now. Like they need to put out a lot of、uh, rich experiences immediately because they are kind of falling behind in that, you know, in that、uh, game right now.、Um, so I do hope that E3 will bring a lot of new announcements for games that will come this year for the system. And I hope that they're going to be fully fleshed out games, you know, solo games, multiplayer games, and you know everything of that nature.、Um, but you know, for the present, I think a game like Sea of Thieves definitely doesn't work,、um, you know, because based on what Max said, it seems like they kind of dropped the ball with it. Because on paper, it seemed like it was a cool concept, you know.、Um, even though, like, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, "What the hell is this?" But you know, the more I kind of heard about the game and what it's trying to achieve and what it's trying to do. I was like, okay, like this, this actually could be a fun game, you know, if they execute it correctly. And it seems they didn't execute it correctly, so that you know just puts another strike against Microsoft. So they really need to start delivering with some of these experiences, you know.、Um, and as Max said in his article, they have. State of Decay Two coming. They have Crackdown Three still to come, and in the article, Max says that you know、um, perhaps we'll start to see more fully fleshed out and complete experiences after those games release.、Um, but you know the question is just when are those games going to release? And then you know、um, I think State of Decay is coming soon, right? Like next month or something. It's like May eleventh or something. Yeah, it's very、okay. soon. Yeah, and we still need to get a release date for Crackdown. So, you know, if that's the case, if they're, you know, if if these games are going to be the last of the kind of lackluster experiences, then we need to get them immediately,、um, and we need to get some new stuff 
fast it needs to be this year because you know they're starting to look really bad and you know um stuff like this you know the sea of thieves and everything it just puts another strike against them and um it's not good at the moment well, yeah because i feel like even at this point um like people who have game pass they'll be like oh state of decay was a flop i'm still gonna stick with xbox though because i still have all these other games to play so it's like they're winning in a way by they're allowing themselves like these kind of bad games in a way because i it would be kind of dumb for someone to just drop xbox even though that one game is bad like i get it like i don't see why someone would want to just completely drop game pass because of that unless they've obviously played all the other games and everything but like ideally it would bring someone in and keep them there you know and they've even said games are going to be rotating here and there and stuff so it's like the the service is brilliant it's just what they put on the service needs to be better i think in the long run i think it still has a lot of value and everything but like i just am worried about the future of it yeah yeah i agree i mean yeah that that's that's a good point you make like because even if you don't get what you want from sea of thieves you still have you know 99 other games to try out and stuff like that so yeah it's i guess once you do get into that ecosystem it's going to be hard to get to the point where you're like okay i'm gonna you know cancel this subscription um but yeah i i think even if that's the case and you know you're just kind of looking to pad out the service a bit more you still need to, you know, um, make sure these experiences are complete and fulfilling for the gamers because having a happy customer is going to go a, a long way, you know. Um, and I think that strategy is a short-term strategy when they need to be thinking long-term. Yep, exactly. And it's, like, Xbox is always focused on, like, even since the reveal in, like, 2013 or whenever it was, they've always been, like, oh yeah, this is an experience. The Xbox One is an experience. You know, it's not just a gaming console. And to be fair, they deliver on a lot of that, just not the games, which is frustrating. Like, even down to the achievement system, is the achievement system's addicting. Like, I like re- raising my gamer score. I prefer to play games on the Xbox for that reason a lot of the time. Like, I have friends that do the same. Um, so once you have someone in the ecosystem, it is hard. It's like it. It's like Apple, for example. Like if you have an iPhone and a Mac, like they work brilliantly together. You are much less likely to get an Android if you have those two working together and you're already in that ecosystem and everything. You just want to stick with it. It makes sense. It's easy. And they're just going to keep providing features for that thing. With Microsoft and Xboxes, though, they keep providing all these wonderful features. But like, again, there's no games. Like they just redesigned the dashboard again. And I turned my Xbox on the other day. There's all these new sounds now. I'm like, cool, you changed all the sounds. Where, where are the games? Like, the hell? And even Sea of Thieves, uh, I didn't really notice this until after I wrote the article because I didn't pay attention to it much. I was looking at the achievements. The achievements are all catered towards playing that game for a long time. It's like, we'll get a thousand of this specific chest because there are different types of chests, even though they just give you different levels of gold or it's like sail 250 miles on this mission type. And it's just, they're like achievements that you have to play for a long time to get. So that even further is like their kind of plan to get people to just keep playing it for a long time. It's just, they, who knows when that's ever going to happen. Absolutely. Um, so I, I have a few comments to make. Well, first and foremost, let me say I, I agree with a lot, a lot of the points that you both made are very, very good, very valid points. 
Uh, in regards to Sea of Thieves, I must confess that I do not have the game yet. I did try to play it in the beta multiple times, and every single time that I tried playing it, I couldn't get into the game. Um, I will also admit that I've said on this show multiple times that it's not really a game that I would be interested in in, in actually buying. Um, I, I can respect Rare for trying to create a new game, trying to create a new experience. But when I look at that game, I think to myself, when I see the fact that it requires that I have to definitely play with people I know, um, I understand that there is a single player campaign that, that you can play the game by yourself, but it is not going to be the same than if you play with people who you are already friends with on your list. I understand that, but when I saw that, that instantly turned me off to the game because, you know, knowing that I have to work play with play with others all the time um, and then having to rely on their the schedule that they have, so on and so forth, the schedules have to line up. It seems like it's too much work to actually set up a, a time to actually play with somebody. Um, but with that said, I will try it out at some point. Um, but one thing, one thing I, that I do think is definitely wrong about that game, and I think that is an argument that we, so that we spoke about many times on this show before. I think that that sixty dollar price point that is way too much for this type of a game. At least with State of Decay, uh, State of Decay Two, I personally think that game will ultimately do better than Sea of Thieves over time because number one, it is cheaper; it's half the price. Number two. I think a lot more people are interested in that game because of the type of genre and what it actually is. Now, I know there are a lot of people that like the pirate game, so I could be wrong on that one. But I personally am interested in that. And a lot of people that I have spoken to over the past week or so, they all are looking forward to State of Decay 2. They don't really care too much about Sea of Thieves. Um, doesn't mean that Sea of Thieves is a bad game. But if it's one thing that we do know in these games where it requires like a long window period of time, it always is the issue with content. I mean, we saw that in the case of Destiny, that was a game when it came out, you know, it was hot for about a week and then people started complaining. Where's the all this other content at once they have run through the campaign? Um, I don't really know if Sea of Thieves is the exact same way in terms of what it offers, but the fact that the grind is so so you know so strong in that game that would be something that would definitely turn me off and then as you just said max the fact that you have to do all this stuff to get achievements i don't know if that's a game that i will necessarily uh play i will at some point get to experience it to see why there are a lot of people out there that, that love the game but uh that right there is, is very concerning to hear um and in regards to game pass I think that the service, the Game Pass service itself is, is fantastic for those that do not want to spend $60 on a game. It's fantastic service. But I do think that Microsoft is going to have to offer a lot more, as you guys said. You know, Sea of Thieves is a great start to it. Uh, we have uh, State of Decay 2 coming out May 22nd, so that'll be something else people can look forward to. And then Crackdown 3. But something that I believe we spoke about on an older show and I definitely feel like this is going to happen. I might be wrong, obviously, but I really, really do think that at, when E3 comes and Microsoft, we go to Microsoft's conference, they will announce that a that a third party game will be coming to Microsoft first, and it will be through Game Pass. And I think once they do that, um, that may add a little bit more value to Game Pass uh, for the moment. 
Um, I know that I've heard rumors of a Battle Royale type of Halo game coming before Halo uh, 6. Please I don't know no. if that's I mean, I I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's that's accurate. I don't know if that could be something as simple as them adding a mode like that to Halo Five, which I think is possible. But I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that Halo Six definitely, absolutely, positively will get shown at E3. You know, maybe it'll be a teaser. I don't think that game is coming out this year. And if I was Microsoft, I wouldn't release it this year because. There's already too many games that we now know for sure are coming out this this fall. You know, whether it's Tomb Raider, whether it's Battlefield, whether it's Call of Duty, or whether it's uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't think it's a good idea to release that game, especially that game, this fall. But we'll see how they decide to take that approach. But uh, what I will say is, in regards to Game Pass, as it is set up right now, uh, Microsoft definitely have a way to go with the service in terms of the the, the exclusives that they offer on there. Um, sea of Thieves, you know, I mean, I personally wasn't really interested in the game. Like I said, I'm glad that Rare is being able to do more stuff that they actually want to do and not some connects, uh, you know, connect or any other type of party game that they don't really care about wanting to do. So I'm glad they have more freedom in that regard. But when I saw the game from day one, and we've spoken about this off air, I I just have I just like I look at Sea of Thieves I'm like I don't really I, I'm not really into that type of game not really something that gets me excited but for those that love it listen that's awesome that's great I'm happy for it. but uh, when I saw the game from day one I was like I don't really know if this is a game that I would be into now with that said I, I will still give it a, give it a try and maybe by next week I'll be able to talk about it my experiences with it but uh, so far. Yeah, Game Pass, they have a lot more that they're going to have to do with that. A lot more they're going to have to offer. Um, but I do, again, I do believe that State of Decay 2, hands down, that game I think will get a far better reception than Sea of Thieves. I also expect it to score higher also because a lot of people are into the zombie genre. Um, and the first game wasn't really that bad. I mean, it had some technical issues. It was kind of janky in terms of the animation, so on and so forth. But based on the footage we've seen uh, over the last few weeks, the game looks looks great. looks a lot better. So we just need to see how it actually pans out as far as it being in its playable state uh, in the final final version of it. So we'll see in May. But Game Pass, I will take a wait and see approach. But I definitely think that uh, you know the negative uh, news behind Sea of Thieves that is not a good way to start off this. Uh, promoting this whole we're going to be having our exclusives on game pass so microsoft definitely got some work to do in those regards but for those that are enjoying the game i'm glad you're enjoying the game uh, i have nothing bad to say in those regards if you like these type of games it's great uh for others that are looking that are into the, these type of games maybe they may choose to wait for gary's game uh uh what is it uh skulls and uh skull and bones or for the ubisoft game Oh yeah, skull and bones. Yeah, so people, people might might want to wait for that because I know a lot of people were very excited when they saw that trailer at E3 last year. So we'll see. I'm surprised we haven't heard much about that lately. Well, I, I think right now they're focusing on uh, they got Far Cry coming out on Tuesday. Uh, they have the crew, which we now know is coming out in June, right after E3. So this is probably going to be one of their fall games. Um, and including whatever else gets announced 
hopefully that's Splinter Cell or the Division 2, but I don't know when the, the Division 2 is coming out, but yeah. Um, they have... The game is definitely is definitely going to be coming out at some point this year because it, it says Q3, Q4 of 2018 if you look on their uh, website now. So we'll hear more about that soon, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think so. Um, I did want to say quickly because you mentioned, um, you know, CFDs not really being worth 60. I think they were very calculated in, you know, making it that price point because, you know... Um, We've seen games kind of be a bit cheaper when they're like, you know, uh, when there isn't enough content or, you know, where they're uh, largely based uh, uh, on online co-op play and stuff like that. Um, so it, in theory, it should have been, in a, you know, the full price. But I think they were being very strategic and wanting to pass um, instead of actually, you know, buying the game outright. Because I think they see people... They, they see a Game Pass um, more valuable in the long term than a one-off purchase at $60 at this point. So I think they were strategic in that pricing. Yeah, uh, one thing, I you, you make a good point. One thing I will say, again, you know, the type of game this is where it's like a constant service because it is, because it is a service-based game, I'm sure Rare has to monitor the servers, make sure things are always working. So that is probably why you're paying a little bit more for that game, strictly from a maintenance standpoint. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I I I personally thought you could also say the same of of, of State of State of Decay too, though, because that's a game where again, Undead Labs, Microsoft, they're going to have to make sure that it's 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 functional, it's working. Um, but again, I guess the scope is bigger on this game because it is uh, always the service based. So maybe that's why you're paying the extra cost. But I don't know. I, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful of all the work that the, the devs have put into the game. It's just when I look at that game, I think to myself, I don't really know if the $60 price point adds up to the overall experience. And then I hear people complaining about there's not enough content in the game. Obviously, they're going to make it better over time. I, I just think maybe $60 is asking for too much for those that choose not to get used Game Pass. Um, but then again, you do have Game Pass. So there is there are cheaper ways to actually get access to the game if you don't want to pay $60. So I guess either way, it's it, it works. But um, again, I haven't played Sea of Thieves yet, so I can't say for sure the game is horrible. I just know that I've heard nothing but negative things about it. I've heard a little positive things about it, but mostly negative things. So we'll have to see how it is. Like I said, I, maybe I will get a chance to play it before we record the next show, and I could talk more about it. But uh, I don't know, man. Um, to be determined. <laughs> so uh, any other thoughts on this topic uh from you, Max or Gary, before we wrap up today's show? I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Awesome. Well, I know Mr. Lugo had to step out, so uh, he'll be back next week for sure. But uh, that concludes our show for today. Um, now, as I mentioned uh, earlier in this podcast, I will be having a podcast tomorrow uh, afternoon slash evening and I'll talk more in depth about uh, GDC 2018. I mean, there's a long list of games that I have to go over 
uh, and really talk about. So I didn't want to spend too much time talking about that today. Plus, I also have a couple of things I need to finish because a lot of embargoes are lifting this week. So make sure you guys stay tuned for the podcast I'll do tomorrow night, as well as all the content on the website this week, because there's going to be a ton of stuff getting posted up every day starting tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Um, thank you all for your continued support. And uh, Max, do you have any shout outs that you would like to give? Yeah, as always, thanks everyone for being in the chat and listening to the show. And then, of course, people listening to the show after the fact. I want to give a special shout out to Mark for putting up a Sea of Thieves with me, joining me the other day to play it um, before I wrote that article to get some extra experience in and everything like that. Um, <clears throat> Other than that, thanks again, everyone, for always participating in everything, and I will talk to you all soon. Absolutely. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out to you, Max, as well as Mark, for actually being able to sit through Sea of Thieves amidst all of the issues that the game has been having uh, these last couple of days. So it truly takes a strong-willed person to actually sit back and try to play this game, so we appreciate that for sure. Um <laughs> uh okay so hey. i want to oh yeah absolutely uh so i also want to give a shout out to all the people who've been watching live if, if you're watching live or listening to the podcast later we appreciate your continued support uh i want to give a shout out to a couple people that i did get to see at gdc once again david jagno um uh yeah i want to give a shout out to david jagno I want to give a shout out to uh, a couple people I know, different PR people, you know, Scott Fry, always great to see him at GDC and these events, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, great experience being at GDC, so I definitely look forward to talking about that in more detail tomorrow. And uh, yeah, just thank you all for your continued support, for allowing us to do what we love to do and talk about video games, so on and so forth. So we appreciate uh, your support. Gary, uh, the floor is yours now for shout-outs. Yep, so just like every week, a big shout-outs to all of our Patreon supporters. That's M. Collins, Sean Gorty, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Him Dill, Fergus Mills, Nicholas Alvarez, and Miguel. So big shout-outs to all you guys. Look out for some more content soon. Um, and thanks for your support as always. And big shout-outs to everyone who joined us in the chat today. And, you know, uh, chopped up with us about the different topics we discussed. Um, I see Ruthless in there. Shouts to Ruthless, uh, Reggie, Miguel, um, and Apex, a.k.a. Mark. Big shouts to all you guys. And thanks for joining us. Um, I also want to shout out, you know, um, obviously JJ, who had to step away. Um, and Dana, who's at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, big shouts to them. Hopefully next week we'll have the full squad here. Um, you know, to talk about more stuff. And um, as always, shouts to the Throwdown podcast also. That's pretty much it from me. Absolutely. So once again, thank you all for listening. And uh, I will talk to you all tomorrow. And we will talk to you as a group again next weekend. Take care and have a great week. See ya.